Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Happy 4th of July to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, happy 4th of July. Ah, good morning. How are you, Jason? I'm wonderful, Bill. You know, uh, it's a pleasure being with you today. We're in your office recording this remotely and Bill, it, it's a 4th of July holiday, and one of the, the reasons why um, I don't dread coming in on a holiday is because you always have a unique perspective when it comes to holidays, well, so I'm interested I have, to get your take on the 4th of July. I have a lot of fun with that, Jason. As you know, and you know, what what is that, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I think about on the 4th of July is that there's the, the, that old Mel Gibson movie, you know, and he gets up there and he goes, freedom! That would what, be Braveheart. Braveheart, that's it. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and that's what today is all about. You know, it's Independence Day and it's, you know, we are so... With all of our troubles, we are so lucky to be citizens of the United States of America. You know, it's just we need to be waving our flags and and appreciate what we have. Now, with that said, we have to recognize and appreciate those things where we have not gotten to our ideals uh you know there's an awful lot of that uh, that we are seeing right now um and uh it's important to understand i think the history of where we've been and where we need to go um and so uh, you know and and i would also say that i'm proud to be a person from the great state of north carolina uh, historically, uh, North Carolinians have been in the forefront of the battle for freedom, if you really want to get get to it. Um, now, uh, from a historical perspective, there are a lot of things we can talk about. Now, you know, some would say that those of us in North Carolina, uh, that North Carolinians uh, live in the Valley of Humility, between two mountains of conceit. So <laughs> what is all that about? That, well, that means that North Carolina is positioned between the Commonwealth of Virginia and the state of South Carolina. Very different perspectives there. <laughs> I'd <laughs> but, say so. But, you know, then, uh, you know, what if we go back, uh, those of us in North Carolina, uh, what's on the flag of the great state? Well, there are two dates on there. Do you know what the dates are for? I do not. Well, the first date on the flag of North Carolina is May 20th, 1775. What do you think that one was for? I'll say that's when the, the state first came into existence. No. <laughs> Whoa, that's way off. Okay. That date, May 20th, 75, is over a year before July 4th, but that is the date that uh, we know of as the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. Now, the, truthfully, that date is disputed by some historians. Um, there are those who would say that my forefathers made it up. <laughs> now, why do I say that? Well, because there were five Alexanders who actually signed the Mecklenburg Declaration. Wow. And the clerk of the Mecklenburg Declaration was Joseph McNitt 
Alexander. Now, uh, his father was John McNitt Alexander, okay? And John, along with my great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, was Hezekiah Alexander. They both were signers, along with three other Alexanders uh, of the Mecklenburg Declaration. It was very important to us because whether it was real or not, there was a meeting of representatives of the militias in Mecklenburg County. And you might say, well, what's that? That was sort of like the National Guard back then, but they weren't protecting you from foreign invaders. They were basically protecting you from Indians. (laughs) 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 So that's pretty sad, isn't it? But most of, many of them uh, were Scott-Irish and firebrands, if you will, and very independent-minded people and the like. And uh, so whether you believe in the Mecklenburg Declaration or not, that's okay. But North Carolina still has claim to fame, whether you believe the Mecklenburg or not, Mecklenburg Declaration, uh, as being the first state uh, to not so much to declare independence in the same way that Mecklenburg Declaration, but do you know what the other date on the flag of North Carolina is for? I do not, Bill. Well, that's that date is April twelfth, seventeen seventy six, and that again is before July fourth. So, what was that? That's, that's called now. See, this is a history lesson. This is it's called the Halifax Resolves, and that's where representatives of the great state of North Carolina came together at what was then. Uh, the capital in Halifax. Do you know where Halifax is? I do. Where? It's uh, isn't that towards <laughs> out east? <laughs> it is Edgecombe County. Yep. Okay, Tarboro. <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, that's uh, where you're looking at, and um, that was where uh, North Carolina representatives uh, voted on the resolves to send to the Second Continental Congress uh, to declare independence uh, from Great Britain. Uh, So, you know, that's, uh, and that was the first official act uh, to declare independence from uh, Great Britain. So that still keeps North Carolina as the first in freedom, whether you believe in the Mecklenburg Declaration or not. (laughs) Okay. And actually, there was a Mecklenburg Resolves that uh, came out about the same time as what was known as the Mecklenburg Declaration. And so there is some historical questions, but there was no question that the folks in Mecklenburg uh, were in the spirit of freedom and declaring independence from Great Britain. So uh, interesting um, history, if you will. And uh, also, there are a lot of folks don't, that don't realize that, uh, uh, that these same folks uh, who were very much part of winning the war, uh, uh, the Revolutionary War, because, and, and that is, if anyone's been down to Moore Creek, do you know where Moore Creek is? No, I do not know where Moore Creek is. Okay, well, that's actually a battlefield that is a state um, historical site, and it was um, commemorating the Battle of Moore Creek. And a lot of folks won't realize it uh, unless you know your history, but 
The Battle of Moore Creek was actually between uh, Scots. It was between Highland Scots, who were loyal to the king, and Lowland Scots, that's my family, <laughs> who were the, the crazy patriots. Uh, and what happened at the Battle of Moore Creek was that uh, there was a resupply of, uh, from Mecklenburg County uh, to supply the Brits, and they were trying to get their supplies down to Wilmington. And Moore Creek just happens to be between those two sites. And so the Lowland Scots uh, uh, basically uh, hid and, and uh, ambushed the Highland Scots. See, the Highland Scots were promised lands by the king once the war was over, and that's why they were fighting for the king, unfortunately. But the Lowland Scots uh, basically ambushed them, uh, basically disbanded them, and the supplies never reached uh, the Brits. And that was one of the major, major reasons why uh, uh, the, the Brits surrendered at Yorktown. Uh, so it's uh, interesting uh, history uh, that has a lot to do with uh, why we're free today. Uh, and it's, uh, it's important. Uh, but, you know, when you think about the Declaration of Independence, I, I think about Thomas Jefferson, uh, who is credited with writing the Declaration of Independence. And to me, I really look towards that document as the ideals of this country. And the problem is, at least from my perspective, is that the ideals set out in the Declaration of Independence never got fully put into the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> and so, so I mean, it, it's sort of like this. You have to recognize that we live uh, in the best country in the world with all its faults. Uh, and I'll give you an example. You know, for instance, do you know what May the 1st is? I do not. It's Law Day. Law okay. Day. Oh, my well, God. I didn't get you anything. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> May the 1st is Law Day in the United States. It's the only place it's Law Day uh, because the United States was founded upon uh, it being uh, a country of laws. Everybody... Uh, is under the same laws, as opposed to we broke away from Great Britain, who was under the whims of whom? The king. Right. Okay, so in other words, the king could declare whatever he wanted to to be the law of the land, if you will. Not in the United States. When, uh, you know, with the Constitution, we became a country of, of laws that are supposed to be, which are not, but which are supposed to be, uh, equally served. Equal justice under law is what's un, on the, inscribed on the Supreme Court of the United States. And so, again, that's an ideal which we never really get to, unfortunately. There are many people who try uh, to make that ideal uh, true, but, I mean, we're all human. We don't really uh, get there. Uh, but it's but it's important, and and I I do think it's uh, important for us to celebrate the fact that we are the greatest country in the world, uh, and, and that there's a reason why people want to live here, and it is primarily because of freedom, its independence, 
Uh, it's an imperfect freedom, an imperfect independence, but it's there. I mean, and there's a continuing struggle. You know, Black Lives Matter is that continuing struggle for ideals. Uh, it and but the, now I want to go back historically and say, you know, there's been an awful lot of folks who have had to struggle over time. It's sad that it's taken hundreds of years, but um, it was really a, a um, real close to a hundred years ago that we saw another struggle among another group that finally got closer to, and they're still struggling. What group was that, you think, about 100 years ago? Uh, are you talking about women and maybe Absolute, the right to vote? Yeah, yeah. well, women. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the right to vote was their first ability to have a voice at all. And, of course, women are still struggling in, uh, in terms of equal justice, if you will, equality in the economy, uh, because if you get to right down to it, uh, the um, you know the difference between the ideals and the practical has to do a lot with who's empowered and who's subjugated. And of course, sometimes the subjugation is subtle as opposed to outright as it may be in con- in other countries. But May first is a pretty good um, day to remember because of the fact that. In other countries, May 1st is celebrated a different way. How do they celebrate it in Russia? I have no clue. Well, that's the day that they troop out all of their military hardware. And there's a big parade in Russia on May 1st where over there they troop out their power, military power, and have a big parade celebrating their power. Here we have a a different celebration where – we celebrate in the courthouses that we are a land under the rule of law and very, very different in terms of what is uh, around the world. And that's reasons that we need to, to think about and appreciate what we have in our struggle to get where we need to be. Now, going back to historically, now I've had this test for you before, so I hope you can remember this. When the Constitution was actually adopted and people were given the right to vote, what was the percentage of people who lived in the United States or in all of the multiple states that could vote? The number 20 or 25 percent is is sticking in my brain. You're so way off. I can't believe it. (laughs) Come on now, Jason, you got to you got to do better at listening at the history lessons that we try to I'm teach. taking notes today, so I'll, I'll be ready next time. <laughs> okay, so for all of those folks out there who've tried to guess at what it is, the number is actually 4% or close to 4%. Now, why do you think we get to 4%? Well, you have to eliminate 50% because women— well, actually, vote. women always have constituted more than 50%. But yes, let's just say 50% because we men like to think that. <laughs> you got to get rid of uh, all the minorities, any sort of black person, they, they couldn't vote. Uh, that, no question about that. Uh, so, uh, all right, so that 
obviously takes us way below 50%. So what was the next uh, piece of the pie? How old did you have to be to vote? Uh, I'm guessing you had to be 18. Nah, no? hey boy, I tell you, you still don't know your history. 18 has only been around for I don't know how many years, but back then it was 21. In fact, it was 21 during most of my life, I think. Uh, but it has changed during all of yours, I think. So, <laughs> 21. Okay. Now, what was life expectancy back then? Oh, boy, I'll say somewhere 50s. Actually, it was late 40s. Okay. Uh, and so, obviously, if you couldn't vote until you're 21 and your life expectancy was, say, 48, uh, <laughs> that tells you a whole lot, too. But I said 4%, and we're not even close to 4% yet. So what was the last discriminator on voting? I'll say education and wealth. Uh, education was not necessarily uh, the key. That, that was a discriminator, uh, certainly in the South, uh, over a period of time, but not completely, as you know. Uh, it was land ownership. Mm. You had to own land. Uh, in or in the United States, in order to to vote at, uh, originally. Now, obviously, all of these have changed over time, but the the fact is that we, st- you know, and and there was um, a, a number of years ago where the const- where the Supreme Court basically said this is a country of laws and there should be one uh, one person one vote rule. In other words, your vote and my vote should count the same. Now, that's the ideal. Is that the truth? Is that what we really have? No. Okay. Uh, And I would agree with that wholeheartedly, and I would say that that it's been skewed many different ways. Gerrymandering is one way that our state legislature continues to, to do that. But there's another way, and I know you're trying to get me to clam up, so I'll tell you <laughs> what I'll do. I will come back after a break, and we'll talk about this, because I think it's important. Excellent. I'm enjoying this conversation. Uh, we're going to continue it in just a bit. I want to remind everyone that we're also going to be talking about Bill's seminars coming up on Wednesday, July 8th. We're going to have all the information and details for you if you're interested in asset protection and trust planning or interested in long-term care assistance, you're going to want to stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander on a July 4th. And Bill, I'm really fascinated by the conversation that we're having. We're talking uh, a lot about the historical perspective of July 4th. And uh, we were just on the subject of the right to vote. And um, you had mentioned gerrymandering as a, a, a potential way to uh, make our votes not as as strong as they should be, and there is another topic that you wanted to broach. Well, no question about it. In in other words, uh, gerrymandering is is all about control. It's not about caring whether your vote is equal to my vote. It's about maintaining political control. In other words, who do you empower, who do you subjugate, 
in other words, how do you lessen people? And, and that's a big part, I think, of Black Lives Matter. It's basically saying, okay, we have the right to vote, but we're still subjugated. We, we not, we're not given the opportunities that others have. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, and, and there is, um, you know, while, while the Black Lives Matter has been tearing down symbols um, appropriately, uh, now I love being from the South, I love the history of the South, but I understand symbols and, and the thing, and there's one that really gets to me that has nothing to do with the monuments on the Capitol grounds or other places uh, around the state. And it's embedded in the law of the land. It's actually in the Constitution of the United States of America. And it's a tremendous disconnect between the ideals set out in the Declaration of Independence, those ideals that people fought for to break away from Great Britain and establish a new country with new rules, new ideals. Okay, so what is it? It's the Electoral College. The Electoral College basically is a way to empower certain groups over others. Uh, And uh, if you get right down to it, I mean, just in the last uh, number of years that most people who – I mean, anybody who can vote today has been through two presidencies where the president did not earn the majority of votes in this country, but they were still elected president now. Can you name who those presidents are who got elected by a minority of voters in this country? Uh, Donald Trump. Absolutely. There was another. It was George W. Bush. There we go. Okay. And and again, now, the, the but the point is, it doesn't matter who they were, they weren't elected by the popular vote. And the Electoral College clearly empowers certain voters over other voters. And do you know who's empowered over voters at this point because of the Electoral College? Because the states determine how their voters vote, and the states do it differently. So that's a discriminator right there. But it clearly empowers rural voters over urban voters. So the bottom line is, if you think about it, I mean, why should a vote in one part of the state be more important to the overall election than my vote? And so I'm just basically saying that if you're going to tear down a symbol, uh, tear down the Electoral College. (laughs) It's not right that a person who gets the minority vote in this country should be elected dog catcher. I mean, this country should be the majority rules, not the minority. But anytime you have where the minority wins, it's because there's a disconnect between the law and the ideal. Don't you agree? 
That's an interesting perspective. I never thought of it like that, Bill. <laughs> now, don't misunderstand. Minority rights, those of us who don't win, should have rights. I'm a huge libertarian. I, I believe in less government. I want my rights. And part of that's being from North Carolina. Now, get, let's go back to history, and then we'll go back to something that's important. But I want you to know that North Carolina was one of the states that would not ratify the Constitution until when? What was the most important thing that was added to the Constitution before it was actually adopted by the several states? You got me again, Bill. Golly day, Jason. You're going to flunk out of history I here. I This okay. is a bad performance today. It's really important. It's I've got what too many we, hot dogs on my mind. It's what we depend on in this country, and it's called our Bill of Rights. North Carolina would not, because there were a number of state, number of colonies, 13 colonies, that actually adopted the, a constitution prior to the addition of the Bill of Rights. And, of course, it's the Bill of Rights that is what gives us individual freedom to assemble, freedom, uh, I mean, for those who uh, carry guns. I mean, if you want to look at that, if, or the freedom of speech, the freedom to assemble, the freedom, uh, a religious freedom. That's not in the Constitution until you get to the Bill of Rights. <laughs> so to me, that was the most important thing that was done, and that was a direct connection between what was declared in the Declaration of Independence and the reason people fought and bled and sacrificed until we get to the law and the rule of law. And so, yes— we, this country is the best country in the world. It's why people flock here. It's why we, we grow. Uh, but we're an imperfect nation. We always have been. We always will be. But we need to strive for that ideal. That striving to be better is, is so key to the, the greatness of the history of this country and will continue to be important as well. I want to remind everyone that Bill has some seminars coming up this Wednesday, July 8th. Be sure to head over to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, and there you can find plenty of information related to his seminars. You can also register at WGALaw.com to attend for free. And Bill is doing webinars this month. That means that all you need is a smartphone or a laptop with an internet connection and an email address, and you can register to attend Bill's webinar from the comfort of your own home. It's a wonderful advantage for you. Bill has two seminars, one related to long-term care assistance and uh, VA benefits. You can find information again online at WGALaw.com. And the other has to do with asset protection and trust planning. It's wonderful information in both instances, information that you can't readily find available anywhere else. Uh, it's, it's, just a wealth of knowledge that Bill has, and he's willing to share it with you. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This 
is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong here uh, live at uh, W.G. Alexander's and Associates office. Bill, it's, uh, I've been calling it a studio. I've been ragging you, but uh, <laughs> I do enjoy doing the show with you. We're being responsible and uh, being socially distant. And, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to stay away from the studios and uh, do our part to uh, make sure we're not spreading anything when it comes to COVID-19. So, Bill, uh, I'm glad we're here on this July 4th, and we've been talking about this subject of freedom, and we're going to now take a look at financial freedom. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, wave the flag, but, you know, it's, you know, how do we get to a place in our lives where we have financial freedom? And I've talked about this before. But uh, and uh, you have to say it's just like all the other freedoms that we enjoy. The the concepts are far easier than the application. Okay, so uh, it's it, it's a long term deal. It's a uh, and it it takes stamina and patience uh, for most people. Uh, but it's obtainable for most people. Uh, now. Rule number one to obtain financial freedom, very simply put, is to live below your means. And what that basically means is don't be spending everything you earn when you earn it. In other words, always put something back. Now, because this, the second rule of thumb, uh, obviously, uh, is to uh, create savings and investments. And if you don't live below your means, you're going in the wrong direction. Because if you're living above your means, that means that you're struggling to pay your bills and you're borrowing money. And if you're borrowing it from the wrong place, like credit cards, you're paying high interest that gets you into a place where it's really a struggle to get out of. And that's a, a lot of folks are in that bubble, and it's really, really unfortunate because half of this country has virtually no savings at all, and that's bad, okay? But if you want to get out of that, you have to find a way to live below your means. And that's one of the reasons I worry about a lot of young people because I don't see them saving, uh, and that's, uh, that's a key ingredient to the whole deal. Now, uh, and the, all right, so the first is live below your means and then take those savings uh, and create savings and investment buckets. And I really believe that you have to have two buckets. You have to have your first bucket, which is your safety bucket of money, and that really should be money that's liquid and not at any substantial risk uh, so that if you need money like you lose your job because of COVID-19 uh, or your income has been reduced significantly not because of anything you've done but because of other things that are totally unexpected then you have resources that you can use during that period of time so that savings bucket is important. But once you get to a point, and I, I can't say that you have to have three months of savings or six months or 12 months or 24 months. I mean, different people will tell you different things. But 
whatever your comfort level is, you need at least that much into your uh, savings bucket. And then it needs to be investing. And when I say investing, this is, to me, it's important for seniors just like it is for people just starting out, is that the only difference is that uh, seniors need to be a little more careful in terms of the risk that they take because it all has to do with your timing, you know, because uh, investing basically, and there are lots of different ways to invest, but and, and I love real estate and I love alternative investing, but stocks and bonds are where most people think of when they think of investing. And truthfully, that is um, a good place to invest as long as your attitude uh, and your perspective is long term. You know, stocks and bonds are not the place to be for short term strategies because. Uh, as we all know, the stock market can plummet on any day for totally unexpected reasons that catch most everyone by surprise. Um, and, and truthfully, stocks are supposed to do that. <laughs> okay. And, and so this is where part of the investing strategy has to be stay the course. When the worst thing anybody can do is switch over to CDs when the stock market crashes. Why? Because then you've locked in those losses. If you switch over when the market crashes, you've just lost your shirt and you've locked locked it in. But one thing we've seen every time, uh, every time historically, and you know I love history, is the fact that over a fairly short period of time, the stock market does what? goes back up right. <laughs> okay so even if you even if you've suffered a loss then if you stay the course stay in your investments and keep uh, your investment advisor's advice then you're going to make that back up and gain in fact over just about any 15-year period the stock market, if looking at the index of the S&P 500, has gained between 7 and 8% over any 15-year period you want to look at with all of these crashes, with all of these losses. Um, and every crash is different from the crash before, so it's not like... <laughs> so what, what, what does that mean? It just means that your investing has to take into perspective when you might need to spend your money and if you need if you if you're a senior and you don't ever think you're going to need in other words uh, to fall back on your investments then you can continue to have a long-term strategy because you're basically investing for your kids under those circumstances but if you know you need your money or will need your money in the next year or the year after and you're going to have to pull it out, then you have to be far more conservative in the strategy that you might take uh, for those investments. So it would be reducing what you have at risk or taking much less risk at it at that point in time. So those are some of the key strategies, I think, that people should take for financial freedom. That's what we all want. 
<laughs> that is what we all want and what we all strive for because then, uh, you know, you have that freedom, Bill. You can mm-hmm. do what you like. Well, I want to remind everyone that there's still time to register for Wednesday's seminars. These are coming up Wednesday, July 8th, and these will be in the form of webinars where Bill will be doing them over Zoom. So to attend, all you need is a computer with an internet connection or smartphone and an email address. You can register for free by going online to WGA Law. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button. There you'll find information about the seminars coming up on July 8th, and you can register for free to attend. You can attend both if you'd like to. They're covering long-term care assistance and VA benefits and also uh, asset protection and trust planning. This is right in Bill's wheelhouse. He's the man when it comes to both of these subjects. Again, WGALaw.com or call 919 256 7,000. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with you with Bill Alexander on a July 4th. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you are enjoying your holiday. And Bill, we've been on a number of subjects having to do with freedom, but we also want to talk about the namesake of the show, Asset Protection. And uh, we want to talk about the foundations or some of the foundations of Asset foundations Protection. Foundations of concepts are extremely important. Uh, and it certainly is an Asset Protection, just like the Declaration of Independence is the foundation stone to the Constitution, if you will, uh, the uh, foundation of asset protection it has nothing to do with law. Well, it does to some degree, but it's not legal documents. It's actually liability insurance. So what's the foundation of asset protection? Liability insurance. That you can't have asset protection without good liability coverage. That is your foundation, and with that, you can build others. So, what's the most important liability insurance that everybody should have? That is, everybody who drives a car, and that's virtually every American. Your car insurance is by far the most important liability insurance you can possibly have. Yes, professionals should have malpractice and business people should have workman's comp and other kinds of insurance. Uh, But the bottom line is car insurance is so important for all of us. And so to the degree that you're not just starting out and you have acquired property uh, and you're trying to protect yourself and your family, you should have maximum liability coverage or close to it. And so maximum is, is 500000 so a 500-500 policy. Now, for some, 300-300 is okay, but you don't want minimum coverages. Uh, and then, if you think about it, and this is an important concept, you should max out your underinsured and uninsured motorist coverage because – Most of us who are careful, our greatest risk is not our own negligence. It's other people's negligence. It's other people running into us. And uh, it's even more important for seniors uh, because they're the wealthiest of Americans for the most part. But it's also the fact that uh, the way Medicare works and takes away 
any settlement in a in, in a lawsuit. Your own uh, uh, protection is important because most of the drivers in this country either don't have insurance or they have minimum coverage. So if they if they run into you and send you to the hospital and you have a bill for $200,000 and they have coverage of 50000 guess what? You're going to have to make up the difference somehow. And, and that's where your underinsured motorist coverage or your uninsured motorist coverage protects you. So having that and then adding umbrella coverage to your own and I always recommend uh, at least a million dollars of umbrella coverage and two million for most families that are well-to-do. And so that those are the foundations for liability coverage. And, of course, that is the foundation of asset protection. Is this something that you, you tend to talk about in your asset protection and trust webinar? Absolutely, although I have more time to go into more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I encourage you, if you want to learn more tips like this, go to WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button. They, it says Seminars, but they are webinars this month. You can find information there, and you can register for free to attend. You can also call 919-256-7000, 256 7,000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, I want to remind you that coming up on Wednesday, you've probably heard the ads here on WPTF. Bill is having his webinars. You can go online to WGALaw.com to register for the long-term care assistance webinar or the asset protection and trust planning webinar. Go to WGALaw.com or you can call 919-256-7000. Bill, any parting shots before we head out and enjoy our 4th of July? Absolutely. For those folks who are worried about paying for long-term care, uh, whether it's Medicaid or veterans benefits or special assistance or other government assistance, I will tell you, most of what you think you know about any of these programs is absolutely wrong. And if you don't believe me, uh, come to my seminar because we'll, we'll teach you everything we can about those programs and you will be shocked at how these rules work. Yep, and you can register, again, for free. It's a webinar. You can just zoom in from the comfort of your own home on Wednesday. Find more information, again, online at WGALaw.com. We have to get out of here. I want to thank everyone for joining us and wish you all a happy 4th of July. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend.